Hey guys, I'm Casey Fitzgerald. And I'm Simran Gupta from Love in Dubai, your go-to source for everything local news. Be sure to watch the Love in Dubai show for the latest on what's going on in this city and beyond with exclusive interviews every single morning. We go live every day at 8.30 a.m. sharp and 9.30 a.m. on weekends. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and TikTok. Find us at Love in Dubai. guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. So I say at the start of this interview with Ramsey that he's the first insurance company that we've had on Dubai Works, but his business was actually around before the UAE was created as a country um, and coming up to 50 years anniversary of the UAE 1971 Petra Insurance was established um, you know under in a different name from 1966 so it's really interesting we talk about that we talk about uh, how the business evolved how the industry evolved over the years um, and also just generally insurance like is it an investable business so it's often overlooked but it's a fundamental of a business ecosystem so hope you enjoy the podcast Welcome back to another episode of dubai works business podcast this week we're joined by ramsey gorani the managing partner of petra insurance brokers so in an industry where the relationship with clients is at the heart of the business transitioning to online platform can be really tricky for people uh, and the insurance brokers uh, Petra Insurance Brokers, Ramsey will be telling us more about meeting the needs of insurance customers in a digital era. Petra Insurance has been one of the most active players in the UAE insurance market over 55 years, providing solutions to individuals and companies alike and offering transparency in their policies, trust uh, with the broker and financial facilities. So welcome, Ramsey. Thank you very much. I think you're the first guest that we've had on from an insurance brokerage firm. So uh, it's really interesting and thanks for joining. I appreciate that. I'm glad to be the first. So <laughs> hopefully the only one too. Hopefully the only one. Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely the first and probably one of the you know ones that has been around for a long time. Yeah. 55 years in the UAE. Yeah. How did that come about? Well, um, so it's a Petra Insurance Brokers is a family business. So my father established it. Um, uh, so he came to Dubai back in 1966 and you know uh, expats now they say I'm only going to be here for two years or whatever then I'm going to go back home and then they stick around. Well that's exactly what happened to him. <laughs> he, he was planning to stay only for a couple of years because there was nothing here. It was pretty boring. You know and then 1968 um, oil struck and then you know fortunes change. Uh, you have to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good and he was good at insurance and he happened to be in the right place at the right time. And then the business kind of picked up from there. The golden era, the 70s, the 80s, and even the 90s. Uh, things kind of slowed down in the 2000s, just things changed. And I came on board um, at 2012, actually, to take over the business. It was, it was a bit of an old school situation. So I kind of came and put the new fresh, new blood in, which was needed. Um, and I guess nine years later, 10 years in Feb, um, you know, we've, We've done a lot of changes and, yeah. uh, you know, 55 years. The best thing about this is that 
there's a legacy and the roots are there. The values are still there. Um, I was, my job was kind of to articulate the values that my father started because they don't really care about this stuff. They just want to do business and do the right thing, shake hands, business is done. We kind of come on board and kind of put that into a package thing for people uh, to understand internally and externally. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, so your father, did he, you know, he ended up in insurance. Was that something that he studied? And <laughs> um, from which country did he come and how did he kind of establish a business? That's fascinating. A, in 1966. Yeah, that's <laughs> a very, very good question. Um, so, uh, back, my father, we're Palestinian and same thing. He's from Ramallah. And so obviously with the situation there, he had to leave Palestine and move to uh, Jordan, right? And over there, like he had a very bit of a struggle, uh, not a lot of money, just a typical story that you hear. And then I guess, um, you know, there's that resilience and that ambition to become better. And I think there's a fighting spirit. Um, so he just wanted to work. He had to make some money and then he happened yeah. to work in insurance. They were just as a clerk. Yeah. Uh, but my father is intelligent, but didn't have the money to go to university. Uh, so he would actually love, and believe it or not, like that's one of the few people that I know, love reading the, the insurance wordings, the legal stuff. Okay. He loved it. Yeah. He loved how the words could change impact things. And one word could change everything with anybody, you know, contractually, in insurance. So that's something he had passion for. And he kept working hard. And, the, and back then it was easier to move up. So if you're working hard, sincerely working hard you would uh, get promoted mm. and they saw something in him at a young age i believe he was 24 25 years old mm. and they said you know what um you're the man that we want to take you to expand our business in this region so th there was there was visionaries that were his mentors so he didn't know what was going on at 26 he just went whatever they told wherever they told him and he's just doing a job that he loved and then it, he actually started off in qatar Mm. for a couple of years and then it was Dubai so 64 mm. in Qatar and actually back then um, the there was a currency Qatar and Dubai and I have it back in the office oh, I'm happy okay. to share it with you guys it says Qatar Dubai one dirham that was the wow. currency back in 1964 66 that time oh, interesting. it's pretty amazing actually back then yeah. what it was and and then he just came here and he stayed and and he's Still here, actually. <laughs> so so he, when he arrived here, we're coming up to sort of 50 years of the UAE. He came before that. And there was different, you know, yeah. the Trucial states and Qatar might have been part of the UAE originally. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's so, exactly it. And yeah. then the UAE was formed. And, you know, was it possible? Did he set up the business then from scratch? And how did that sort of happen? Okay, that's then? a very good question. So just to be clear, Petra Insurance Brokers as his trademark yeah. has been around since 2002. But yeah. the same management team okay. um, have been around since, since then. then. Yeah. So it started with my father and then brought somebody on board in the 70s. And the beautiful thing is that we have we actually still have clients since the 70s Amazing. with us today. Right. So um, so back then, we were it was an insurance agency for the Jordan Insurance Company. Okay. So we were underwriters. So we yeah. come from an underwriting, which means you're from an insurance company perspective. He would be able to price things, pay out the claims himself, and all that stuff. L rules change in the UAE, in Dubai specifically. So we weren't able to become basically an insurance company anymore is one of those things. So we ended up becoming brokers. But the same level of service. Um, we, and the thing that makes us I, special, I would say, is that 
brokers are known to distribute products, all right? We do that, of course. Mm. But insurance companies also have to distribute their products in some way. But what makes us different and stronger is that we know the real insurance. Like we know what the pricing means, the rating means, when the client will or will not get screwed with this kind of wording. Mm. And that's the kind of advice that we give. Mm. Plus, we're on top of things when it comes to claims. And that's purely based on our you know, our roots mm. from back then. It just, we, we come from an insurance company background, mm. not just the sales mm. uh, force, if you will. And so that's really interesting to understand it. So from a brokerage point of view, were there brokers back then and uh, how did the industry evolve and, uh, and the role that uh, Petra plays That's now? a very good question. Back in the 60s, 70s um, in the UAE, I'm not sure if there were any or how many brokers there were. Um, I know that came to, it came about probably more so in the 90s, mm. but I'm sure there were some before. I don't have the specific numbers of that. Mm. I could tell you something right now. There's about a hundred and, there's a, there's a ton of brokers here, too many if you ask me. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's a, there's about 180 brokers, 170 brokers. Brokerage firms, yeah. In, in, in the Dubai, UAE. In UAE. Yeah, okay. and, and, you know, and the market isn't that big. Mm. You know, it's, if, it, and if it was in Saudi, that's not bad. It's not a bad thing to have that many people or one of those bigger markets. Mm. Um, but there's also 70-something insurance companies. The mm. competition is cutthroat. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know what it was back then in the 90s, but I'm sure I think that's where the brokerages started, mm. just like when we did, mm. basically. So, Ramsey, then, you know, speeding up forward, you came on board almost 10 years ago. And, you know, full transparency, we as Augustus Media have used... Petra insurance for our employees, for our health insurance for the last six years. Is that, are we a representative of the type of company that you work with? Do you work with individuals? What's, yeah. what's the makeup of the insurance that you provide? Well, that's beautiful to ask because it changes almost every year with such a volatile market, you mm -hmm. know, and, you know, we're an expat based industry, right? And that's why I'm proud of certain companies that um, I've been with us for, I guess, 50 years, mm. you know. At the same time, uh, you know, Augustus Media, Love in Dubai are definitely the kind of clients that we love to work with because we are progressing and you guys are a progressive company. So we love the values aligning with each other and then that's that's how you grow together. Mm. And that, again, that's always been from our first, uh, when we first started, was we start off, with, start off small with companies and you kind of grow. Um, but also we have a diverse base of customers. We're not sticking to one type, but that's definitely... One angle is the ones that are moving up. Um, they're more into the tech space, if you will, or they're more into the podcast like this um, that kind of understand the whole approach these days. But also we deal with customers that are old school. And there's, there is that and, you know, there are older people working in the company and they want to work with us as well because they, they know that there's certain trust there that they can do with us. But our client base is very, very diverse. Um, our insurance, we provide everything, you name it, from A to Z. Um, you know, we all have to have medical insurance, pretty much car insurance. Um, but also we do group types of insurances, which is not just individuals, but for corporates, medical insurance, complex stuff like cyber liability, cyber insurance, which is really underpenetrated. And yeah. right now, small companies, medium companies, and large companies have to look at these packages Mm. And I think it's a silent killer, mm. actually, right now, mm. because um, insurance is not an industry people love to buy. Like you don't go on the weekend and think about, yeah, well, let's do some insurance shopping. You know, that just <laughs> doesn't happen. Yeah. And that's why our marketing and our advertising 
is for the people's interest to be piqued so they can actually look into the type of insurance that we're trying to make insurance, sorry if I'm going to say this, insurance sexy as much as possible. <laughs> so if you go into social, and, and it is sort of possible, yeah. because we write about blogs, for example, um, insuring uh, legs, model legs. We talk about these things that are quite weird. Mm. Did you know there's alien abduction insurance? There's such a thing. Okay. And people take out those policies because people okay. believe, and it's not, Everybody has a right to believe whatever they want. Yeah. People believe the that they're going to be... believe the world is fast. Yeah, well, those people. <laughs> but, but it is there and people have paid for that. Yeah. There's also something called multiple birth insurance. So people have only budgeted for one kid. This is actually famous in the UK. Okay. So, uh, and then you got triplets. There's Those two extra kids are extra budget for them. Yeah. So we talk about these fun things in insurance. Yeah. We did a silly thing of for Money Heist on yeah. Thursday or so Wednesday. And they went viral. I'm like, super excited it went viral. But we do serious stuff. The whole point of that is that we're trying to get, you know, we're not just some boring company and insurance isn't boring because when it happens, there's a claim, whether it's a car, medical, cyber claim, whatever claim, it's not boring anymore. You're you're thanking the Lord that you got the insurance in time. Yeah. 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 As you said, like it does require a bit of planning and a bit of, and, and you know, even your team and you came and spoke to our employees and told them about it. Uh, whole of life insurance and yep. things like that. That education process is that something that you ha- if you do as well on your yes. Um, I think that if so, it's basically that one was financial well being mm. as a whole, and from that you do certain certain things. Take out life insurance, save, don't spend too much money on on silly things. Yeah, um, and so we do communicate that. And I think now as we go more digital in our as a company, we'd be able to um, spread that word, which we believe is very important. And the financial billing campaign, as you know, there was no pressure to buy anything. Mm. Actually, it was completely for free. And we encourage all companies to go go for that. Of course, from that, we build a good reputation, credibility, mm. and it would lead to clients later on. Definitely. But for me, um, I, I feel like in this country and, in, and especially in Dubai, it's so fast moving. People are on a high, even if it's like a down period, people are on a high and nothing can go wrong to them. Okay. But I think in such a market where it's not actually your home, you got to protect yourself even more. And people are, you know, car insurance is extremely cheap compared to places like I'm from Vancouver, Canada. It's expensive. Mm. Home insurance is quadruple the amount of what it is here. People mm. get shocked. It's basically, if I'm mistaken, like 100 dirhams at you know, 100 dirhams a month mm. for home insurance, mm. whether you're a tenant and, and, or, uh, or a homeowner. Mm. So these things we want to spread so we can spread the word. Mm. But I think through tech, through podcasts, um, uh, it will be the way to do it moving forward. And, um, you know, I, for me, the only thing that I want is, is exposure to what we're doing yeah. and let people make the decisions. My, the one that frustrates me the most is when people say, do you guys, is there home insurance available? Is there cyber insurance available? Is there, you know, or, or what kind of car insurance? Nobody knows anything. Mm. You know, it's up to us as, as a company to educate so, or an industry, sorry. Yeah. So, the, so the, Ramsey, how does the UAE compare with other markets? Because, you know, when I was working in other countries, insurance isn't part of the package, right? It's not something that's provided with the visa, the residency. You kind of... You know, there's there's different health systems in different countries. Yes. Some health systems are uh, private, some are public, some are different things. There's different uh, approaches and mentalities around life insurance, around travel insurance, around home insurance. Hundred percent. In the UAE, 
the system, and you might articulate this more eloquently than me, but the system is uh, around insurance that it's uh, that it's part of your visa. It's a requirement. Therefore, individuals uh, almost the company provide it, and almost everyone has a type of a sponsor, either themselves or so they then are covered, and they kind of you know almost it's equivalent of having uh, public health insurance. And then it might lead you to kind of stop there. Mm-hmm. My, you know, I, my insurance is covered, therefore I don't really need those other things like travel insurance, home insurance, and I don't really research it. Do you think that that happens a bit? And why is the system like that here? Well, um, well, a couple of reasons why the system is like that here. One is um, because you're not in places like Canada where the insurance is covered by basically the government and, and, mm. and you know and the taxes taxes yeah that's the biggest thing and nothing is for free there's no free lunch out there so but but at the same time though here they made it into a very cheap basic policy for everybody mm. potentially anybody can just go for a 500 dirham plan unless you're or sorry 600 i forgot the final price but we're talking in this range unless of course you're above like 65 years old there's a different premium but why is it done here because they can't take care of the medical insurance for all here mm. and so they gave basic and basic benefits so 150,000 dirhams is the maximum for the basic plan and it's you know it's the the, the benefits are limited but for any emergencies even pre-existing conditions they're covered how, much, how much did you say sorry 150,000 dirhams for the year for an individual yeah 150,000 it's not enough but it's better than nothing because oh, they cover that amount. Yeah, they yeah. Don't pay that amount. Yeah, okay. no, no. I mean, the premium would be six hundred, for yeah, example, yeah, yeah. at at that. But before this law came into place, um, there were I think the penetration rate was about thirty to forty percent mm. ten years ago mm. for medical. Mm. So you have organizations which, to cut costs, didn't provide any medical. Okay. Right. And it was a perk. So back then, if you if a company has medical insurance, whatever it is, that's mm. like an advantage to go into. Now, uh, medical insurance is covered. But for example, what we did with our organization is we added group life insurance mm. as an other thing. But why is it done here like that? Because simply they can't afford to pay for everybody, and the, there will be an overload on on the system, the hospitals here, mm. the medical facilities, if the government is paying for everything. Mm. And and of course there isn't. Uh, income tax so there isn't other exactly taxes, so yeah. exactly indirectly it's the same thing in a way but yes the company pays yes. for it rather but than an individual i'll be honest with you i prefer um because I, I like i said i I'm, I'm from canada so i went through that complete system as well um mm. i prefer it here because um the private medical is better than just waiting sometimes you wait for an appointment even in canada for a long time unless you unless you live in a very good area yeah you know um, I think private medical is the way to go. Um, you get proper care. Mm. I've read some horror stories um, from my friends uh, from the UK where, you know, yeah. an appointment takes a long time and then it just kind of brushed off. But when you go to a proper facility, mm. and when I say proper, like that's their, the they're, they're getting paid here, for yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a more serious issue. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's better to improve your life as opposed to sustaining your life. Yeah. It's really interesting. We could talk beyond kind of insurance and talk about privatization and different, uh, you know, how almost public services, uh, whether it's to do with schooling or whether it's to do with health, how, how they, they work. But, you know, in, in your experience here, how do you feel uh, people receive 
uh, the kind of cover that they get? Are they happy with the cover they get, and how has it evolved? No, they're not. Nobody's they're happy. happy <laughs> so, he's uh, happy all the time. No, that's that. That is a that is a question that. Look, um, usually here you're going to get your medical insurance coverage from your employer or whoever's sponsoring you. Not usually. That's how it works. So let's say you work with a company and they can give the lowest plan or the super highest plan, you know. And obviously when it's a super highest plan, uh, people love that. Mm. But people still complain, Mm. right? Mm. And I think the problem with that is because they complain when there's like approvals taking more time at the clinic or whatever. And people think it's always the insurance company or insurance broker that's to, that's to blame when it's usually usually not actually because mm-hmm. the company and the broker have shown you the documents, ex- should have explained to you the full details, you've approved it, right? But then when it goes to an approval, oh, it's a bad insurance company, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. The process between the clinics and the hospitals is where people complain and the, and the insurance. So the approvals take longer because of that reason. Mm. So are they happy with it? Um, the answer is no. But at the same time, in my opinion, you are, you are able to work and work hard and earn income in such a, such a um, environment. Mm. There's no income tax and all that stuff. So you should be able to budget insurance for yourself. I mean, to me, it's, it's a no brainer. Mm. There's no, there's no, why, why put your, protection into somebody else's hands why take the risk yeah i mean you should budget for it per year just like you would do your rent okay so that's okay. my advice yeah, <laughs> yeah. fair enough so Ramsey, how did you get you, you mentioned that you, you grew up in canada and, and how did you get involved into this and what does it take to run we've heard already that it's competitive environment what, what does it take to run an insurance business yeah let me get some water now. for that one <laughs> take um, a sip of water yeah yeah so i mean what were you doing before and sort of what skills does it take now to run to do what you're doing you know i, I don't know, you know <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm doing my best with yeah. this one and um so you know, I, I grew up in Canada, but grew up in Vancouver specifically. And after nice. university, I mean, I worked there for a bit. But then after university, I decided to um, to live and work in the Middle East yeah. just because. Yeah. I just wanted to experience something else. And my journey took me back from actually from to Jordan for a few years. Okay. Um, Jordan and started, started life over there. I worked in multinationals over there, one of them being Orange Telecom. Yeah. So I was in charge. I was in. I was always in marketing and brand development. Okay. Um, like the strategic part of the brand. Yeah. That was my thing. And my I, I have MBA in marketing and my BA is in economics. And I love marketing. I love the idea of marketing. Um, so I got into that. I established my own business into a brand development guy. So it helps startups develop their brand. Yeah. Then I would, then you give it to a designer to kind of implement that. So that's what I was doing for multiple years. Even pricing. Um, uh, pricing models, um, how to take the brand to the next level, the brand architecture. That's exactly what I was always hired to do. And mm. I was good at that. Mm. My biggest um, uh, thing coming there was coming to Petra was I didn't have any insurance background, uh, but I was always into the business as a, as a kid. But my father basically encouraged me to move into it because of what I'm doing over there, I can do for this business mm. and it would be for myself or for us. And I had to learn insurance and take a course. So I took a bunch of courses before I joined. So the technical aspects I actually, you know, um, enjoyed. Mm. So I combined the, the technical part with the marketing part. Mm. And that's where we are today. Running a business, I mean, it's difficult. I mean, 
this was a horrible year. I mean, for all of us, the past year um, from COVID and then the lag effect of COVID was difficult. It was probably the most challenging time of my career. Mm. And um, I was like stuck between a rock and a hard place a few times mm. and a lot of drowning moments. And I'm proud to say that, but we readjusted them some strategies and and things picked up again for us. And not because the market has picked up. I mean, it's a little bit better than before. People are a bit more confident to go out and do things. People are coming to Dubai more. Mm. But for me, we readjusted the strategy. We did a few things um, and then and then kind of improved from that perspective. And and the, the right path is already there and the success already has already started. Mm. I mean, so we had to reinvent ourselves. Mm. This is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And based on reinvention is also going full on tech. So we're going to be launching our technical solution, InsureTech solution, uh, very soon. And actually, we're going to be rebranding. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So we'll get into that a little bit more. But just taking off a point of what you said there, well, firstly, economics and marketing is a solid sort of two functions that are really good for kind of financial discipline and and also branding to run a business. So probably, uh, probably, I think your father's guidance might have might have uh, helped what you're doing now. So it's really good. Uh, but just as you said, where you're going next, how has the insurance industry evolved? Because we we know of the household names, the underwriters, as you call them, are the the brands of the insurance companies, and then we know of brokers and we know of websites who are aggregators. Is that the story of the sort of digital era, the last 20 years? Has that been a little bit disrupted by aggregators? And and then if so, then what are the other guys doing? What are the global names in insurance doing? And how is the industry now? It's huge. There's a huge change around the world. So I'm, I follow the, um, the trends in Europe specifically. Okay. It's, pretty phenomenal what's happening over there. There's so many parts of insurance in the tech space that you can get into. And over there, it's a bit more freer to go into the insurance, even if you're not a broker. So here you need a license for everything. Um, so the, the market is moving where you're making it more accessible and it's a bit more agile um, and simple especially now in Europe. This is the, this is what's happening. And there's major investments being spent. Like what? Like, you know, because I've been also here nearly 10 years and back then there was, you know, compare the market and there was insurance aggregators. Has something happened since? Is there more of a, is there a sort of a buy now, pay later equivalent for insurance? Is, is there um, different things? I think there, there, I, there is definitely that, there's that that's available here actually okay. buy now and pay later or pay over or whatever um, yeah. and we have that option in our business but it's a bit more advanced over there so yeah there's insurance like, on demand is, is there yeah a... there is something like that um, and there's also like you go into different verticals okay like the claims the claim processing um, portals okay. for clients um, you can actually put insurance into so if you're an um, insurance provider whatever that is you can go and put that insurance portal if you will into into the client's um, website and then they can take out insurance and the client benefits from the from the money that they get from that so this the distribution of insurance has expanded mm. and it's important for that to happen because the traditional way which is the broker the insurance company mm. is slowing down everything is going tech obviously um, they're, they're, it's a younger generation mm. you know Younger generation, like if I were to go into my uh, statistics onto my uh, our advertising uh, so and, and on 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 the social media and all that, 
their age is about average age is about 30 years old that look at our stuff okay okay so those ones are going to be interested in how they can get easier accessibility for insurance mm. and that's how it is that's what's happening in europe um in the uk in the scandinavian countries germany it's full on over there mm. it's actually very exciting uh before COVID, of course i'll go to a bunch of conferences it was just so stimulating mm. and exciting to see where it's going um it's not there yet now any mm. here uh, here there's only aggregators mm. which is okay but it's just a tip of the iceberg mm. and uh, insurance aggregators were exciting here about four years ago five years ago and it's probably going to continue to do so to be so but um that's just the tip of the iceberg it's not even anything to what we can do okay and what what the industry can do as well and have you taken some of those insights from from that from the european market and the transit to come up with the new positioning and the digital and can you tell us a bit more about that yeah i mean i i can't divulge too much information right now but um definitely we're um, you know, we're full on, like I said, in the technology part, and um, we're going to be doing, there'd be some interesting launches okay. uh, coming up in the next while, Yeah. Uh, barring any pandemic situations, you know, mm. but overall, we're going to, we're going to be taking what we learned over there, what makes sense for this market mm. and bring it over here. And it's not going to be a one thing approach. Um, so, um, you know, whether it's an aggregator tool or if it's something that's more corporate, Mm. We have all these things that are in place we've been working on for a while. Mm. And also there's products that are pretty difficult to put on the aggregator model. Mm. Um, that we, uh, Very much difficult products um, that we've been developing for a while now. Mm. And we're pretty happy. We're about 80% there. Mm. And I think that will really make things easy for clients and people and companies to get their insurance in a very clear way, mm. in a very transparent way. Interesting. So there's a lot of things happening for us, and that that is one of them. Like so, yeah, we will definitely be bringing some of that over here. And you know what, you guys will be the first people to know. Let's put it that way. <laughs> very good. So, um, so Ramsey, just on that sort of business strategy, because I think people outside of the insurance industry could relate to the approach that you're taking in terms of okay, this is a kind of a legacy incumbent business that's been, you know, well positioned in the market and you're trying to digitize. So the kind of buzz terms like digital transformation. And then we, and then we see of uh, the disruptors like the aggregators and they, they tend to be heavily backed. They tend to be venture. Yeah, of course. Uh, but so how do you, how do you approach that? How do you say, Hey, whether it's an F and B industry or whether it's whatever industry, I'm going to do almost the same as what they're doing. Uh, I'm going to take learnings from trends in the digital world, but I'm going to interwove it or, you know, put it as part of my business. How do you do that with, you know, without sort of um, cannibalizing your existing business? Um, how do you kind of reskill your team and everything like that? What's the kind of approach? Yeah, that's, that's, that is a big deal. Um, the way I see it, first of all, if you have a good reputation, um, credibility and trust, um, and also you know your clients or you know your business well, that transition for your current and new clients um, would be seamless, more or less. Of course, it's not perfect, but it's there. Mm. Um, cannibalization, um, you know, I think happens when you completely shift your strategy or what you are, what your values are completely, and that could be a strategic decision. But um, we intend to 
keeping our values, um, you know, of empathy, communication, um, all that stuff, accuracy, all there, but shifting in a different way of presenting it and making it easier for our team to be able to um, use this service. Clients logically will be happy to use a service that is hap- that is easier to use mm. or that is more fun to use. Mm. Now, cannibalization could happen, but the way I see it, if it's for the bigger picture, sometimes there will be some sacrifices and not just for clients. I mean, it could be for even some staff. It may not make sense for them. There's no fit for them. They may not feel welcome anymore, not because mm. we're not welcoming them, but there's a fit there. There's a culture shift as well. Mm. You know, but we aim not for that not to happen, but mm. it could happen. And it's okay. part of the process of growth. Yeah. Interesting. Are there any sort of like 23, 24 year olds who are doing a startup who are setting up a brokerage firm, like a traditional firm? Um, <laughs> no, but I know that there's a lot of people that um, think it's easy to get a brokerage firm. It's not easy at all. Like you no. need to hire somebody who has a of high salary with experience in insurance, mm. you know, and then you have, to, and then not just that, you have to have an operations person with certain experience, you have to have a life insurance person, all that stuff. Plus, you put a, put money in that's locked in to, with the bank. So Capital, you have to put in, yeah. th- not just, no, besides the, yes, a deposit yeah, yeah. that stays, uh, which is in the, in, in the brokerage, it's 3 million dirhams. Ah, so okay. you can't touch it. It's okay. your money. You can't touch it. It's there. It's a security deposit. Ah, wow. It's crazy. Wow. That's stressful. Yeah. It was, I think, it was like five hundred thousand without a security deposit, just capital. Yeah. Then it went to, then it jumped to one million, and then it jumped to three million capital, and then to put the security deposit. It was oh, crazy. Wow. It was from a regular perspective. I don't know what they were thinking, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and then also, um, you know, things have changed from that perspective, but. It is difficult for them to just buy one. Sometimes it's easier to partner up, mm. you know, um, or work on some sort of software that is insurance-based. But eventually they'd want to acquire a license, you know, and that's fine. But there's a lot of work regulation. I'm yeah. telling you, it's it's a headache. The audits that come in. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's part of the job, mm. um, but it's not just you get a license and then yeah. everything is good. It's actually get the license and then there's a lot of work to maintain that license yeah. and not get fined. Like you may get fined for things that you didn't know even existed or were even fines and you could be running your business perfectly, mm. but it's just a matter of you're fined and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, in terms of regulation, like obviously if the market's saturated, this can keep the barrier to entry down in one level. It's true. So there are some positives, but, but, you know, we, I didn't think of that. Maybe others did, but that you would have to have, uh, insurance. Yeah. You would have to have security. It's not just the insurance companies that you might, is that in case that you need to pay out or what, why do you well, need that capital? There's- what, risk, what risks do the banks or the regulators have? Why can't they just give you a license? Why do they need cash in your bank? Well, because in the past, there have been brokers that have, just like anything else in this country, like people have run off you know, yeah. with money. Okay. So you have business owners in different industries, including insurance. Oh, right. Insurance right. That have kind of run off with the money and uh, insurance companies weren't able to be paid. But again, I have to say it bluntly, the insurance companies also gave people massive credit. What are you guys doing? That's also a risk from the insurance company. What are you doing giving that much credit? Mm. We're talking millions, which is unheard of, uh, for a certain broker. What do you expect to happen? 
You know, mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. So they, then they put all the blame on the brokers, which I think is completely unfair. Mm. You know? How does that work? How does an insurance company give a broker credit? Well, um, so back in the day, so so now when you buy your car insurance, you give your, your insurance, uh, you give it to the broker and the broker, and then you issue the policy. So it's paid from the client. There's nothing, there's no issues from the client's perspective. As a company, you get, you know, there's a lot of deals. You can't pay every policy one by one. Yeah, you do volume deals and they're the provider and you book yeah. things. You so it's a 30 day, yeah, so it's a 30 day uh, credit period or okay. 60 days or whatever, 15 days sometimes. A medical insurance is a different situation where you got to pay the insurance company directly. Mm. Okay. And then there's a credit period of, not credit period, but we want the money from them within 30 days, like just a different thing. But back then, everything was paid to the from the client to the broker, mm. you know. And then, and so there was some, you know, you have rotten apples in every industry. It happens. Yeah, yeah. But I do think though that they allow that to happen by not controlling it better. Mm. And you can't just say, like, there's a limit. There should be a limit from both sides, not just one party. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. The reason I asked that it was in relation to your digital pivot is because sometimes I think the world of startups are, uh, and and young people are almost told the media narrative that. The way to do something new is to go big and to raise money and to disrupt. Whereas, actually, this sort of hybrid of bricks and mortar and digital approach with, you know, uh, people to people relationships and things like that, plus a digital version, is is a better way of doing it. And you know, I always think of if we're doing a media business today, then how are we doing it? Are we doing it like a TikTok? Are we doing it like a digital version? Of an old media company, like a law firm. If you're launching yeah, a law 100%. firm today, yeah, you're right. Would you be a law firm that specialises in, like you were saying, cybersecurity, or would? You, and then, if so, then do you have lawyers? Do you have educated, yeah. talented people? So that's why I think it. You know, going back to insurance is is one of the pillars of of business, right? And it's such an interesting space, such a not interesting space that we don't give enough time to understanding it. But but if someone it's as you said it's not sexy from a buying point of view, but from a business point of view, we don't hear of people saying, "Hey, I'm going to set up uh, an insurance business." Much do we? I mean, they oh, want <laughs> no, but they. I've come across uh, people that are purely in the digital space that want to partner up with us. Yeah, and. You know, transparently speaking, that they want to become brokers mm. or get the license so that they have full control. And that's not a bad strategy at all, but there's a lot of costs that come with that. Mm. And I think the point is, is that it's when you first hear about all these things, you get excited. But when it comes down to it, it's not as simple as it sounds mm. there's a lot of hard work and i think some people just want to make the quick money that's mm. the problem mm. it's they just want to make the quick buck mm. and that is not sustainable i mean mm. i've never easy an easy come easy go is exactly it so i don't say don't go for the brokerage or don't partner up with the brokerage and eventually acquire one i think that's a very healthy strategy mm. but there's two things i would say i'll let you in on a little secret if you do that if you do that, that means you got to take it on full, full on, and there is a benefit to that because you're able to, to do any, anything actually mm-hmm. as as a license. When you don't have a license, you don't have much. The second part is if you're focusing on the tech part, make it scalable across different countries. Yeah, and that's the key to mm-hmm. scaling up within the insurance industry right now. Mm-hmm. Is don't don't try to look out outside of the scope of Dubai. 
Mm. And that was our fault for the longest time. Oh, Dubai, Dubai, Dubai. Not even Abu Dhabi. Although we do Abu Dhabi, but we don't even focus on marketing there. Mm. So, so that's so. Instead of cl- closing your eyes into something, a market, there is a chance to scale around the world potentially. Mm. Okay, fascinating. On that point, uh, what's your view globally? But you you know this region very well. Uh, are you, right now in sort of sort of a decade? Do you see? Are you optimistic about this region as emerging market? And if so, or, you know, is that sort of a focus for, for your business? I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I'm very optimistic. I've always been optimistic. It's, this place has always been good to our family, good to people. Mm. Um, my staff, my team, I call them the Petra family. Um, they're here working and, you know, I'm very happy they're working in a very good environment and mm. they're looking forward to the future. Mm. Not a lot of them would want to go back home, mm. you know, okay. and if they could, they would. Mm. I mean, if they could, I mean, meaning that they had a good outlook over there, they would. Mm. This place presents a great opportunity for people to grow. Mm. And it's really up to you how hard and smart you work, how resilient you are, how positive you are to really become successful here. It's an opportunity. It's multicultural. You can meet so many people. You can expo- It's a little vacation all the time also. Like mm. you can expose, meet different people from different cultures. Mm. I'm very optimistic about, about this region, specifically, specifically the UAE and the Gulf. Mm. Um, but also I'm very optimistic about the world. Mm. I mean, with all the stuff that's happening today, it's hard sometimes. But I think sometimes we have to go through crap. Mm. to um, to kind of benefit from what's coming out after that. And mm. I think once the world opens up again, which is probably in the next six, seven, eight, nine months properly, mm. um, you it's going to be a different world out there. And mm. I think it's something to be very excited about. Mm. And then we can actually take advantage of that. Opportunities, scale, business-wise, meet new people, everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Interesting. There's some of the themes. I don't know if you did that intentionally, but there's some of the themes of the expo in terms of... No, it's you know, just completely right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's good. Yeah. It's good. So yeah. opening up and also, you know, that sort of uh, setting trends for the future. And hopefully, you know, that that will happen, not just in the Gulf, but kind of wider in Levant and North Africa as well. Because it would be great if all the economies kind of rose together as mm-hmm. well. Um, I and, agree. And uh, yeah, so before we wrap up, just so, sort of um, from an investor point of view, like I always remember uh, how Warren Buffett started in investing, that his first business he understood, and it reminded me of when, when you mentioned your, your father looked at, liked looking at the details and looking at the contracts. So Warren Buffett, I think it was reinsurance or one of the, I should know the name, one of the famous American companies. I think it's Geico. Geico, sorry, yeah, that's yeah. the one. <laughs> Geico, yeah. yeah. So, but, but yeah, maybe they did reinsurance, not an expert, but yeah, but how he um, read about that and how he constantly invested in it and the dividends he got on it. And he, he just understood that um, insurance is a great business because people pay and the margins are there and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, is, is it still a good business? Is it still something that people people like Warren Buffett should invest in? Is it still a solid business or does it face lots of challenges? Well, my advice is you invest in an insurance business that has proper tech solutions. And if they have a developer in there developing technology, hop on there. Okay. All right. This is Brilliant. my this is my advice because insurance right now, with the with a traditional way, the margins are thinning. Mm. Okay. Um, and so it just it just is what it is. So how do you get out of the red ocean? You focus on other products mm. that have higher margin, 
or and or go towards ways of distributing it in an agile way where you don't have to worry about a person talking on a lower margin scale mm. let it be a lower margin but why why let the tech do the talking for you mm. and those are the two things and i do think it's an it's insurance will always be there you mm. just will it's just a matter of which one will you invest in mm. um and the, i think the biggest attraction to it is that a it's always going to be a need mm. and two the cash is there Mm. The margin's a bit lower, but there's strategies to combat that. Either mm. the, the agile way of going all over the place, like going full volume, and then focusing on the bigger margin ones like cyber, like, mm. the, like the more of the corporate ones mm. um, that you need more of a human interaction. But even that can be digitized to a point mm. where it makes the interaction smoother. Mm. Interesting. I think you mentioned it at the start, but I think the cyber security and insurance is such... We could talk... Another episode. Yeah, just I mean, it's that. a huge thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a webinar on it last year with Chubb, which is one of the biggest companies in the world for this, okay. for security. Um, from some, from a gentleman from the UK as well. So we did a webinar with locals here, local providers, mm. and the the Chubb out of the UK. It was really interesting. We they're, have a, they're an insurance provider for the cybersecurity. Space. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, more about security and, okay. and all that stuff, but of course that. Um, and so we have a webinar on that. So it's on our it's on our social media. Check it out. Okay. So and then we have a lot of things that I highly encourage people to look into. Yeah. Because whatever you read from on our site or watch, um, you're going to learn something new. It could pique your interest, and it could definitely impact you positively financially if you take the Amazing. right the right insurance. I was going to finish on that. Yeah. So how do people? What's your website, and how do people get in touch? Our website is insurewithpetra.com insurewithpetra.com and we have all of our social media uh, we're very active on on instagram uh facebook and linkedin um and so you can just purchase insurance uae you can't miss us so okay. check us out perfect yeah. well ramsey thanks so much for your time today it's good to have an insurance history lesson thank and, you uh, good luck with the future and we'll watch for the new launches awesome thank you very much thank appreciate you. that thank you I was really interested in what Ramsey, I certainly got a lot out of it, as we always do in these new different topics that we don't always cover. And next week will be the same. We're speaking to Philip Bahoshi from Magnet, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, one of the key uh, aggregators and platforms around the tech ecosystem in the region. It'll be live, Dubai Works will be live on smashy.tv at 11 a.m. next Thursday. Please do sign up for the seven day free trial of Smashy. It's still in beta. We want your feedback. Uh, everything is still available on social media. And if you're listening to this on a podcast, please do subscribe and give us your feedback. What type of companies do you want to hear on Dubai Works? Thanks and uh, look forward to uh, hearing you, having you with us again next week.